Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. do tonight is um, we're going to read about a very specific mission that took place. Um, we focused a lot on the words of Jesus, and we're going to see now Jesus in action. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to read this portion of Scripture. We're not going to dissect it very deeply tonight, because we're going to read it, and then I'm going to read the portion of scripture before it. Okay, I'm, I'm being intentional so that you guys can see how a few things fit together. And I think by the end of tonight, if I can start with a goal, I would like you to know and understand that God has called you, but he's also sending you, each one of us in different ways. And the moment you go on your knees for another person, you already entering the mission field. Did you know that? And so we should be a missional church, every church. We, our hearts should be not to build a, a wonderful community and, and say, oh, I've got such great friends at church. It's so awesome. Our heart should always burn for those who are on the outside looking in. Does that make sense? Let, let's read some scripture together. We're starting at Mark chapter 5. That's where we are tonight. And they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. You see where they got the plot for the movie Hulk? From the Bible. We think these movie makers are smart. <laughs> They're just plagiarizing. In any case, it's gone. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. And no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs, and on the mountains he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Now if you're a believer that has found Jesus, this, this should cut to your heart right there. All alone, crying out and cutting himself. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God not to torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Now, we're not going to dissect this scripture that pertains to what we call deliverance, okay? We are going to get to that this year, and we're going to preach on it closer to Foundation 4. 
But what we see here is that a demonic spirit or multiple spirits can talk through a human being. That's what we get here. Okay? Just because we don't like it does not mean it does not exist. Okay? Because uh, we live in our Western boxes where Christianity is clean. And then we go to Africa. And like I told the mission team, then there's a man like a snake sailing on the ground. And then our theology crashes. The truth is, there's a spiritual war out there. Isn't that true? And, and so let, let's see what happens here. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And what this, these demons are saying is there's many demons in this man. We're called Legion. Okay. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, send us into the pigs, let us enter them. Strange scripture. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd. Numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Crazy narrative. And the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. We need to understand these people... And they are in charge of the meat of the city. You guys, we trust you. You grew up around the flock and specifically the pigs. You guys, you watch over the pigs. Make sure we've got meat to eat. Where's the pigs? Are they all dead? They all drowned. So these guys, they're running to the city quickly to bring the news so that the people can know it. It's not their fault. It's this troublemaker. All right? This, this is what's playing off here. That's a lot of pigs. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, so that's Jesus, he, and he and Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Now, what maybe you don't know about the story is that this man is the first man in the gospel that Jesus reached that's not a Jew. He goes over the water into a new region. Now the disciples, they don't know what, what they're going to do here because everyone knows the Jews, they're amazing and everyone else sucks. That's what they teach. And here Jesus goes and he finds a demon-possessed naked man that no one can bind up. And he's not a Jew. And Jesus sets this man free. Not only does he set him free, he says, now you go. And you go and tell the other people 
the other Gentiles, the other people, that's not Jews, what I have done for you. And it says he went and the people marveled. This broke the brains of the disciples and the Pharisees. Incredible. The people probably asked Jesus to leave because they don't know him, but what they have figured out is that when there's a crazy person and there's animals around, the person gets healed, but the animals die. And they are afraid of economic repercussions, so they ask Jesus, please, to go away. No one worries about the man. No one has empathy. He says, wow, look at this man. He's been living between the tombs for so many years. Everyone's worried about the pigs. Does he mean And so this was a mission trip that Jesus did with his disciples. And I'm not going to dissect it more. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to step back a few verses before it. Because everything in Scripture is written for a reason. And there's an incredible lead up to this story that you and I need to understand. The story where the first Gentile man got freed from a demon and sent into the ministry field. Right, so we just reversed. We are at Mark chapter 4 verse 26. Mark chapter 4 is a lot of parables. and We pick it up just before they leave to go to this demon man. Verse 26, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, but when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle. He puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said to them, and he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? He uses another parable. Let's carry on. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown... It grows up and becomes larger than all garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. We're going to dissect this, but just hold on. We're just carrying on for a few more verses. He did not, he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Who's waiting there? A man, okay? And leaving the crowd, they took him with him in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And that night, a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm what is a great calm another interesting wording there was a great storm now there's a great calm 
And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have, have, have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Just an interesting note for the academics here. Before that, Jesus had already cast out demons and healed people. He's shown his authority over evil spirits and over sickness. And here for the first time, he displays his authority over nature. Okay, Revealing that in every aspect, he's the true God. Does that make sense? And then the next verse would be where we started tonight. Okay, Now, let's go back. What is Scripture saying to us before Jesus and his disciples goes on a mission, a lot like our Zimbabwe team, what happened before that? The first parable we have, you can go back to that slide, slide 10, please. Um, thank you so much, Rowena. The kingdom of God is like a man who scatters his seed. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself the blade, even the ear. Then the full grain in the ear, but when the grain is ripe, once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Interesting parable. Who's read this before? Interesting. This parable is only in Mark and no other gospel. And did you know that there's one gospel that's got no parables? Gospel of John. No parables. Okay. Interesting. Um, so, one or two or three things. We're working up to this mission. I want to tell you, as I dissect this, that you are called to go on a mission to an other side where there's people waiting for you. And you are appointed by God to carry the news to a specific group of people that I cannot reach. Because I'm not you. And you've been placed in a family. And you've been placed around friends in a workplace. And so there's a group of people and God has made a note that he wants to send you there. And before he takes the disciples on the first mission, he shares this parable amongst others with them. Why? Firstly, what God is saying, when it comes to the work of a spirit, and sometimes we're very scared. What if people reject me? What if I say no? What if I share the faith and they, re and they reject me in such a way and will not be my friend anymore? What God is saying with this parable is, what is natural for God is unnatural for humans. For God, it is so simple to understand how seeds grow under the ground, under the soil. And while seeds are planted under the soil and we cannot see, spiritually, it's like your testimony. When you plant it, when you speak it, you cannot immediately see the effect of it. But what God is saying is, you just put it in the ground. Because the ground will yield. What God is saying is there's something I will do with the words you share, with your testimony, that you cannot do and you will never understand it. Go to bed and sleep. Which means, I trust you, Lord. I am at peace. And that word, every word and every kind gesture, every scripture that you've shared with someone, it is not lost in God's world. When we go to sleep, God is at work. And he's starting to share and teach this to the disciples. 
What he's also saying, look carefully, apply this to your own life and to the work of your testimony, is although we are living in a fast-paced world and a lot of churches and a lot of missionaries will tell you everything must happen now, now, we're going to pray for it now and, and, and your problems will go away. I mean, people fall for this. I mean, we, if you pray this prayer and you go home and you log into internet banking, your debt is gone. Have you, have you heard stuff like that? What God is saying is, the kingdom of God is like a plant. It starts a blade, then an ear, and then a grain. And so Jesus is saying that there's times when the kingdom of God, because God has ordained it that way, will be a progressive growth of events in your own life and in those that you are sharing with. So be patient with the person at work. Sometimes God takes a long time to act suddenly, okay? And he's working. And there's a little bit of growth. There's interest. In the beginning, they were closed. Now they're asking you. You see, God is at work. So don't get discouraged. There's times when the kingdom comes like a plant that grows. Amen? Here's an interesting thing. I always have a bash at Facebook, sorry, but you accept me that way. There's a part of the kingdom of God that is a silent growth. It's under the ground, crick, crick, it's the night. The moon is up, there's no noises, but the kingdom is coming. And so sometimes when someone's Facebook wall is so busy with pictures and there's, there's birds that flies and it's just carrying on like this, I'm worried. Because a faith that at times can be still often proves more of a reality than a faith that's always projected, always projected. Because sometimes it can only be vocal cords and not the heart. And so just for a discipline in your quiet times, also okay if it's at times silent. Just hear the silent. God works. Sometimes too many words. Too many noise. And sometimes you're looking and you're getting discouraged and God is saying, it is happening under the ground. Keep on praying. Keep on testifying. My kingdom works like a plant at times. Does that make sense? So what can you do? What can you be diligent in? He's speaking to the disciples. He's saying, guys, get seed in the ground. Get seed in the ground. And he spoke about it before. The seed is when the word is shared and the ground is the heart of hearers. What can we do? Put seeds in the ground. Put hundreds in, thousands, millions Put in all the seeds you can. And then go to sleep. <laughs> I'm saying go to sleep. You know what I mean. Thank you, Lord. I leave it to you. Thank you that you could use me today. He is working. Amen? Okay. He's sharing this with the disciples before they go. And then he goes on. 
And he says, The kingdom is like a grain of a mustard seed, which when sown on the ground, it is the smallest of all seeds. Yet when it is, so, uh, when it is sown, it grows up and it becomes a bigger tree. Okay? Even so big that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Now this, this parable can be applied to corporate growth, but also individual growth, both. Corporately, Cole, when, when did you guys arrive here, the first person between you, David, and them? 2009. Okay, so before 2009, here was nothing. There was nothing here. Not even seed in the ground. In this town, yes, I'm just talking about our congregation, our mandate, okay? 2009, four people, three people. Nine, 13, 15. And what Jesus is saying, there's times when the kingdom of God only starts with a few people that is faithful. Okay? And it's okay that it grows. It's okay that it develops like a tree. But the same is true for your own life because when people come through the doors and they don't know Christ and they look at a bunch of you guys who have grown and you guys are doing great work, people are intimidated. They say, wow, I can never be as awesome as Garmo. I can never be so close to God as this or that person. So we measure each other and what God is saying, stop it, start somewhere today as an individual. Know it. It is okay if you are overwhelmed with your sin. If you are overwhelmed with a task and you're not sure what's going to happen, start with a seed. You can't start with a tree. It will not work like that. Every single disciple that comes to the cross and meets Jesus, you will start with a seed. It's okay for you to feel overwhelmed. Take it to the cross and know you can only start small. You will grow. Amen. And already Jesus is helping the disciples because a lot of them will fail in the next year or so. Peter will turn away. You've got James and John fighting over who's the most important. There's a lot of mistakes. And Christ is already saying, listen, guys, just start somewhere. I will cause you to grow. This all happens before they go to the man on the other side. Everyone with me? Right. On that day, let's go on. When the evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Now it's getting rough. And leaving the crowd, they took, they took him with them into the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking. First thing, Christ comes to you, connects to you about your purpose, your heart. He speaks with you. It's like a seed. It grows. Do you understand? Then what does he do? He sends you. Are you already a tree? No. You're not perfect. You've just heard. He sends you. Let us go. Now, you don't have to go to Zimbabwe, but it's a great physical example. There's a lot of people that's going. Who told them to go? It's in the scripture. Go. You can also go to Cecil tomorrow, wherever you work. He teaches you, and then he sends you. 
as they go, a great windstorm arose, but he was asleep and they woke him up and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, what you need to understand is that these men live on the ocean. They're fishermen and they're scared that they're about to die. It was a big storm. Was it because they were in sin? Did a storm encounter them because they exited God's will? They were in slab bang in the middle of God's will. Let us go. They obey him. What happens? A storm strikes. Why is Jesus allowing his disciples to face a storm on the journey? That's the crux of the night. Why? Because on the other side, there's a man waiting. That's living naked among the tombs. And if they don't go for him, who will? And what about the people in your life? If you don't go for them, who will? And so Christ is saying, let the storms come. Let the, let the waves rise and then we will face it. We will go through it to get to that man. And so Christ conquered sin and death and storms and temptation to get to you. To meet with you. So let it be known, on your journey as a disciple, in the will of God, to the people he's sending you to, strap up. It's going to be some rocky rides. And I'm going to say this bluntly. When immature, self-centered Christians, and sometimes that's me, face storms, we want to turn around. The land is still there. Let's quickly turn around and get off. What Christ is saying, we are pressing through. There's a man on the other side. How many people got saved on the other side? One. There's another mustard seed just started in a new country in the Gentiles. And for that one man, there was more than one boat. Boats faced a storm and they went. So, let me just say this straight. If you are facing wave upon wave at this moment, you're tired of a wind in your face, press through. You may be just arriving where you should be. Are you with me, church? You hear what I'm saying tonight? Now, in this conversation, please hear me. We don't have a lot of time. I'm excluding the foolish storms you might put yourself in. Okay? You get stuck in some sin, there's grace you can get out. But if you stay that, there's going to be thunder on you. And it's not the thunder of your journey. You're putting it on your own back. And we have enough trouble <laughs> in this life to get some extra. Amen? But on your road as a disciple, just know there's going to be winds and waves. One or two things. Firstly, they were not alone on the boat he was there. Rather face a storm with Christ than turn your heart away from Him and face whatever lies ahead on your own. Amen? Rather with Him on the boat. Whole storms, new storm, wind storm, sun storm. If I perish with Him, I perish with Him, but don't leave me alone. And there was other disciples. So 
And whatever lies ahead, you will not have to be removed from God for one moment or removed from those around you, but press ahead. Who's waiting in Zimbabwe? We're not sure. But he said, he spoke to us, go to the other side of the border. What does it cost to get there? Leave, money, training, waking up five o'clock in the morning for, for missions training. It is storm upon storm. It's hard. But he said, go, so we will go. These people on the mission team, the church, don't pay for them to go. We don't have that kind of funds. They pay for themselves. It's costing. But he said, go, so we're going. I'm not saying we all must go to Zim tomorrow. All I'm saying is, if it costs you something in this town when he sends you, do it. He's sending you. Guys, are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? This is simple stuff, but it's hard to apply. It's simple to understand, but it's hard truth. So you can start small. You can start small, mustard seed, or even still an unseen seed under the ground. But start today. Lord, this heart, this heart will bear fruit starting today.